Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Clean Libertarian Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week so far. I know that I am. Um, here's the thing, man. This is one of those episodes I've wanted to do for quite a while now. I know I said that a few times, but this is this is for real. Um, so this is about meditation. I brought Ash back on. Ash, as you guys have seen or heard from him the past couple episodes he's done with me, uh, is also a fellow traveler of the road of recovery. And one of those things that we've had to learn is uh, meditation. You know, it, it's not that caricature that so many TV shows and movies tend to have. And so uh, breaking that initial misunderstanding was huge for me. And so that's what we kind of we kind of talk about. What is it? What is meditation? How do you do it? Uh, about halfway through the episode, Ash actually walks us through a 15-minute guided meditation. So this is a really good one to listen to um, if you're not driving or you know you you have a little bit of time at home um, and that you can d- devote to that and kind of do the meditation along with us. And uh, I don't know, it's just really beneficial. So without any further ado, here is Ash. All right. All right, so we are here with Ash. Welcome back, buddy. It's good to be back. Thank you very much, Drew. Always an honor and a pleasure. Man, it's this is uh, and we we had to hit record real quick because we're talking about government kill shelters on this on this episode about meditation. But uh, yeah, right, right, right after daylight savings, right before the seasonal affective disorder sits in, we're going to talk about animal kill shelters. <laughs> We're just really going to get you guys out there in a real yeah. good spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. M- mental health, doing it uh-huh. right. That's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we we had this conversation. Uh, we started it right before we we hit the uh, the record button. But, um, you know, I uh, my wife and I, we adopted a dog uh, back in May of this year. And uh, I think one of the things I was describing to you is like having been somebody who's been incarcerated, uh, you know, I, the, the thought of leaving uh, our dog, uh, you know, part picks, part, part pit, part Staffordshire terrier, um, you know, leaving her in a government kill shelter, you know, in a government cage, basically uh, didn't, didn't uh, jive so well with me or my wife and I having been in a cage you know, a government cage that, that sort of was, uh, one of those things. So anyways, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can't speak about this universally, but in most places from what I understand, government run, uh, animal shelters are kill shelters. They kind of have to be because people, you know, you have, uh, you have the puppy mills and stuff like that. And pretty much once they're done breeding, you know, they, they pretty much discard the animals, unfortunately, in a lot of places, um, which is sad, but you know, if, uh, if you feel you're responsible enough to, to, to get a dog or want a dog, then, you know, you should probably try to adopt one from one of these freaking government death camps, I guess. Yeah, dude. Really, really cruel way of saying it, but yeah. So. I mean, that is what it is. I think we, we have one here locally that um, they're not technically, they work uh, in tandem with the local municipality, but they're actually a private shelter and they don't do kill. But man, here's the thing is that like when I had to do community uh, service, I had to go over there. Like that was one of the places that, you know, they, they took anybody they could get. And those dogs are like in lockdown 24 hours a day. 
like they get out for an hour whenever one of us little knuckleheads comes along to let them out. But that's it. You know, that is it. But here's the thing, man. My least libertarian view. I have two. Two of my least libertarian views are that um, animal welfare services and anything really environmental protection like wildlife conservation. Like Mm -hmm. those, those are necessary. I like those two things. Gotcha. Uh, You know, it's just me though. But, uh, no, I hear you. What's your least libertarian view? You got one, right? Uh, you know, I'm going to, I, I, that's a, that's a very good question. I've been hanging out with a lot of, uh, Mises caucus people. And I'm not going to lie, I am I am becoming progressively more and more convinced that there is not a single damn thing that the state is capable of. <laughs> um, I uh, That being said, I, I admire minarchy and classical liberalism because I think the amount of, um, I don't want to say mental gymnastics because that sounds very uh, condescending, but more, more along the lines, I think it's conceptually more difficult uh you know and 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 i don't know who who said it best uh but i mean i think it was ron paul essentially was you know if we actually could stick to our constitution we would be in a pretty good shape um but uh you know i mean i would even argue that we could probably uh do away with large swaths of that even and still be okay and still have all the the civil liberties and and protections that we need for um, you know, everyone. Um, but I mean, that being said with, with all the anarchist philosophy that, that, that I've been working with in recent history, um, you know, I, I also understand the idea of aim for, you know, the moon. And if you miss, at least you'll hit the stars. Anything is preferable to where we're at now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to have to quote my buddy, uh, Ace on, from Twitter world. He says that the uh, constitution is to conservatives what the gun free sign gun free zone sign is to liberals. That's and, actually uh, pretty good. Yeah. It's on the nose. You know, yeah. that is on the nose. It it is. It is. I uh, you know, I've I've um the more and more I dig into to um you know, there's there's some things about anarchist thought that are that are kind of interesting in in the sense that like if you look at, for example, an HOA, you know, I mean, if you were to privatize everything and then people are living under these, you know, HOA subscription services, essentially, or whatever, don't those become de facto, you know, many states, many governments? And and to some extent, yeah, that's possible. But, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about as decentralized a vision for living communally as you can possibly get. And also, funny enough, so the more I've been writing the book, um, you know, the more I've kind of gained insight into a lot of Bill's take on anarchist thought, um, you know, and it's it's just been an, I, I would be curious to see what what a United States would look like if it was run through the 12 steps and 12 traditions. You know, there there we go. I'll just put it out there and say it that way. I mean, it would be vastly different and far more in line with uh, our founding father's principles, I think. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, that's part of writing the book anyways, which for your audience, those of you who are interested, I am much, much closer to completing. Um, I am 
you know, uh, hey, Drew, thank you very much for putting out the Twitter poll asking about releasing it as one book or two books. The idea behind that was I had gotten some experience, strength and hope from a fellow libertarian author, uh, you know, who had said essentially like you don't want to do a combination book where you're doing like nonfiction, but then you've also got like a fictional thing. Like if you were to publish it on, say, Amazon, for example, which I'm not even sure if I want to do that or not yet. Right. Uh, uh, you know, essentially combination books don't do as well. They kind of want to pick like one, one basic genre and just kind of go with that. Yeah. Um, and so that was the, you know, because there is a fictional component at the end, you know, what do I do with it? Well, uh, the poll was pretty indicative of just releasing the one, you know, nonfiction portion and do the fictional portion later. And uh, I do appreciate that in talking with my sponsor and talking with you and talking with a few other people, I came to the conclusion that how awesome would it be to just release the book as it is with what I have so far of the fictional component tied up with a nice, neat little bow. And at the very end, it just says to be continued. So that way people at least get a taste of what the, the fictional world I'm creating is, um, you know, right at the on, end dude. of, yeah, at the end of doing what we're, what I'm going to be calling the 12 paces and the 12 group norms. I, uh, I been in touch with, uh, AA world services, which still holds the, you know, trademark or copyright or whatever it is. They, they have the IP for the steps and the traditions and they've never gotten back to me. And I wasn't about to let that stop me from writing my book. So I've come up with my own novel concept. It's my own thing. You know, there it we're going to pretend that I believe in intellectual property and, and, uh, you know, allow them to, 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 to have their, their, you know, version of that as well. So, um, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, and, and before, you know, this episode's over. Maybe I'll even get a chance to, to read some. We'll see. For sure, man. Uh, I'm pumped. I'm pumped about it. I'm, I'm pumped to see it get out there um, and get other people to get their hands on it. Uh, I know locally I'm going to be able, I know for sure quite a few people who will take interest in that. And uh, to those people out there who've been listening, you know, um, yeah, dude, this is going to be awesome. But, um, well, let's get into the, Topic at hand, meditation. What is it? How do you do it? What does it mean? When you first came around to uh, to recovery, did you have any kind of understanding of meditation? Uh, nothing beyond what I had seen in TVs and movies. I mean, I think like at, at one treatment program I had been to one time, we had like a yoga day or something like that. Um, you know, interestingly enough, and I was just sharing about this yesterday um, and, and yeah, cool story I need to tell you about and your listeners as well. But uh, yesterday I was I was in a meeting and I was talking about meditation, in fact, and um, my observation, my experience has been people tend to uh, come in either on the prayer tip or they come in on the meditation tip. Um, you know, when people are new to recovery, their, their sponsor or whatever will be like, oh yeah. And just pray and meditate every day. You know, you get on the knees and thank, uh, thank your God in the morning for, you know, waking you up and at night, thank him for keeping you sober and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And, and, and I mean, I was never very good at that. And I was very resistant to the idea of getting on my knees for, you know, uh, uh my atheist God, I didn't believe in I've, I've since actually come to 
you know, choose a faith and, and, you know, one that works for me. And, um, but I was, I was very big on the meditation piece when I came in and I, I had this idea of a lot of Eastern philosophy and tradition. And, uh, I had some experience with martial arts. And so, I mean, it just evolved into this weird, like thing about like physical health and, and breathing techniques and meditation and motion. Um, so yeah. Uh, super cool story though. And I was telling, I told you about this offline. Um, I, uh, for those of you who maybe I've mentioned it to your listeners, maybe I haven't, but, um, I work at a, or I used to work at a treatment program and yesterday I was at the gym before the meeting and, uh, ran into one of my former clients from four years ago. And wouldn't you know it, they're still clean and sober and they said they thought of me last week because they were having trouble going to sleep. And they were like, oh, yeah, Ash and his meditation techniques. I remember that. And then, you know, he tried it out. And, of course, it worked for him. And, you know, it was uh, it was just really awesome. And, and it's always an honor to, you know, see somebody that I was able to try to help, you know, a while back. And then to see them years later and they're still doing great. I mean, it's just it's it's uh, I needed a win last night. And that was a really good one for me. So. Dude, those moments are always the best, man. Always is, the best. Yeah. Is it odd or is it God? Right. Yep. So I um I've had some interesting experiences with meditation. I uh to me, meditation is you know, so first of all, in the 12 step uh conception of meditation, like historically speaking, like when Bill and Bob spoke of meditation way back in the day, they were referring to this idea of sitting quietly a cup of coffee and a cigarette in the morning and like planning out and reflecting what your day is going to be and setting your best intentions for the day. So historically that's what they referred to as meditation. Whereas here in the 21st century, we have this uh, very Eastern philosophy of meditation. Um, The, the one that works for me the most, the, the, the type of meditation, I do both, but the, the, the kind of meditation that I think of, um, I like to define it as finding the space between the thoughts. Mm. So, um, you know, for your listeners uh, out at home, if you're thinking about something, isolate that thought into a bubble. And then your next thought is another bubble. And your next thought is another bubble. So there's a space between all of those bubbles, even though we have a stream of consciousness and some people struggle with like, you know, an intrusive stream of consciousness, there actually is a space between one thought and the next. And so putting the pause button out there and, and finding the space between those thought bubbles and expanding that space, that's meditation for me personally. And I can get that way through breathing techniques. I could get that way through exercise. I'm a firm believer of meditation and motion, you know, like kind of that runner's high, that feel good endorphin, you know, thing where you're just completely in the zone and not focused on anything else in the world. Like that, that's that to me, that is a form of meditation. Um, so I, I have a cool story. I like to tell people, um, when I was probably had 18, 18 months of recovery, I had to go to jail and, uh, I would always volunteer to mop up the jail pod and everyone else was on lockdown after lunch. And, you know, I'd go out there and I'd mop the pod while everyone else was quiet and napping or whatever. And I could close my eyes with this mop. 
and I would swing the mop back and forth and I'd close my eyes and I would imagine I was in a Japanese rock garden and I could actually hear and feel the wind rustling, you know, against me. I could feel my feet uh, in the sand and in the rocks and, you know, I could see a bamboo thicket completely surrounding me in this rock garden, you know, and I was on top of a mountain and the sky was gray and it was getting ready to rain. And, you know, eventually I could feel the the rain and everything like that. And like, you know, in those moments, which would last anything from 10 to 15 minutes, it took me to mop the pod. Guess what? I wasn't in a jail. I was in a Japanese rock garden on top of a mountain, motherfucker. And you couldn't convince me otherwise. And it was amazing. Dude, so, that's amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, fucking beautiful. I, I, uh, you know, if you'll permit me, I'd love to take your audience on a guided meditation in the episode. Is that sound like, yes. uh, Okay. Fantastic. Without a doubt, we can do that. Cool. Cool. I want to, I want to explain a few things that, that, uh, people like, these are just pragmatic things. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, I hear them all the time say like, oh, I can't meditate. I don't know how to meditate. You know, uh, I call bullshit on that. You've just forgotten how to meditate. I believe that every single person innately has the capability, the capacity, all of that sort of stuff. It's all a matter of, of um, you know, finding the way and mean to connect with it for you. So what I'm going to do is just start out with a few basic breathing exercises. So um, there is what is called diaphragmatic breathing. You know, you use your diaphragm to uh, push in the maximum amount of air in your body and to push out the maximum amount of air in your body and like fully just oxygenate your blood and regulate the amount of oxygen in your blood. Right. Yeah. Well, so when a newborn baby, you know, is breathing, the way they breathe is they, they breathe diaphragmatically. They inhale and their belly expands. And when they exhale, their belly contracts and it pushes out all that air through the diaphragm. Over time, many people develop what is called uh, paradoxical breathing, you know, and this over time can uh, contribute to depression, anxiety, all kinds of other mental health stuff. Um, And what, what ends up happening is people, when they're inhaling, they, their belly is actually contracting. And when they're exhaling, their belly is expanding. So that's not allowing for the proper amount of airflow to come in and out. And, and, and basically we're not breathing the way our bodies are designed to breathe. And you would be amazed at how many people do that. And actually after four, three, four years of being clean, I discovered I was a paradoxical breather. And so it was a week of consciously, okay, I'm inhaling. So my belly is going to expand and now I'm exhaling. So my belly is going to contract. And so like, you know, for, for those of you listening at home or in the car or whatever, you know, as we're going through these breathing exercises and I'm talking about this stuff, um, you know, I want you to conscious pay pay conscious attention to is your stomach expanding as you inhale or is it uh expanding as you exhale and then you know do it do it accordingly so inhale belly expands two three and hold then exhale the belly contracts 
two, three, four, and hold. Inhale, the belly expands, two, three, four, and hold. Exhale, and the belly contracts, two, three, four, and hold, and continue at your own pace. So now I'm going to discuss another piece to this that, that also doesn't really come up as well. Um, along with the diaphragmatic breathing, it's also important how long you actually uh, breathe in for, your, your inhale or exhale. So when you inhale, and I, I, I get confused on the terminology sometimes, it involves your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, basically. When you inhale, I believe you're activating your sympathetic nervous system and you're actually oxygenating your blood. Uh, you're, you're oxygen enriching your blood right there. And when you exhale, you're activating your parasympathetic nervous system. And, and one of your listeners might correct me and that that's cool. And you're actually withdrawing the excess oxygen from your blood as you do that. So in other words, when you inhale for longer than you exhale, you're actually energizing your, your body and you're raising your energy levels, you know, and when you exhale for longer than you inhale, you're depriving the, uh, the blood of that extra oxygen. So therefore it's not going to be able to create as much energy. It actually calms you down. Um, so one of the things I noticed when I suffered from panic attacks, for example, I would uh, take these, you know, sharp, you know, inhale breaths, trying to breathe as deeply as I can, you know, while I was having a panic attack and, and it never really helped all that much. And I never understood why. And it turns out, you know, that excess energy would just make my panic attack and my anxiety that much worse. Um, but once I learned to uh, be mindful and control my breathing, um, you know, and, and, and there's, there's ways to do it. There's grounding exercises that we'll talk about. Um, I was able to focus on exhaling longer than I inhaled and that would activate the parasympathetic nervous system and it would actually calm me down. I think I hear your puppy in the background. Yeah. Yep. That was it. <laughs> That's awesome. God, I love dogs. Anywho, um, so that's the, the, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. So uh, we'll, you know, we'll go back here for, you know, inhale, one, two, three, and hold. Exhale, belly contracts, two, three, four, and hold. Inhale, belly expands, two, three, hold. Exhale, belly contracts, two, three, four, and hold. Inhale, belly expands, two, three, and hold. Exhale, belly contracts, two, 
three, four, and hold and continue at your own pace. So any questions so far? No. Okay. No, this is uh this is online with kind of some of the stuff I've picked up myself. Beneficial. Okay. Good, 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 good. I'm glad to hear it. I um yeah, I I uh so I eventually, you know, started having to incorporate other things to help me manage my anxiety besides meditation techniques. Um I would, uh, you know, I had to start to limit the amount of caffeine to this day. I don't drink caffeine after 12, you know, in the afternoon. Um, I limit myself to only a couple of cups of coffee per day. I don't drink sodas in the evening. You know, I try to stay to a regular sleep cycle. I try to exercise multiple times throughout the week. So I, I need that. I need that sort of balance you know, to keep my body in a rhythm, um, which I understand is not necessarily possible for, for everybody, but it's, it's been beneficial for me, you know, and uh, curbing my anxiety allowed me to function after I got sober, um, you know, and developed a lot more anxiety and panic symptoms after getting sober. Um, I think one of the things I mentioned a minute ago was a grounding exercise. Uh, one of my favorite ones that I use, and, and maybe you've got a few you could, you know, pitch out there if you want uh, uh, to complement this one. Um, five things that you can see four things that you can hear, three things that you can touch, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. You know, and when I go through that, I, I am able to be grounded and to be in the moment and to, uh, I'm not living in the wreckage of the past or the wreckage of the future. I'm just simply, you know, I'm right here, right now right in between those two snaps of the finger um right. and I'm, I'm i'm in that moment but you know i'm in that space between those thoughts um so uh you know grounding exercises are pretty key did you have any any yeah the, wanna, the square the four the four second square um what you do is you take your finger and you, mm -hmm. you know, if you're sitting down, you take your finger, index finger, and you put it on your, your kneecap and you, you, you draw a square. Each side of the square represents four seconds. And this kind of, you know, goes into the breathing aspect too, but you breathe in for four seconds and then you breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And that's just, just to get your, um, you know, your breathing back on track. And then the, the other benefit is, is that you are visually seeing that square being drawn on your, on your leg. And then you're mm -hmm. also feeling it, you know? And so it's, it's kind of a all inclusive type of thing, but I've found that extremely beneficial, uh, especially when I have like panic attacks and stuff. I haven't had one in a while, but when they hit, man, it's no, no fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty, they're pretty sucky. I've had one that was so bad that I, um, and, and this is a testament to, to recovery, uh, in the program, you know, like I was at work and I just had such a terrible panic attack that my boss is like, yeah, you need to hang out on the couch in the back or whatever. We can't, you know, I don't want for your own sake. I don't want you to to try to work with any clients today or anything like that. And I called a bunch of buddies of mine in the program and uh, 
they were willing to actually come out and pick up my car and take me to a meeting and like all this other stuff, you know? So if you're out there and you're new to recovery and you're, you know, you're struggling and everything, like these are the kinds of friends that, you know, I'll just speak for myself. I've met in recovery that are willing to suit up and show up for me, even though I've got multiple years clean, you know, and they're still willing to be there and love me and, uh, you know, help me out when I need it and everything like that. So. um, Yeah, dude. And that's, that's the thing too, is that like, having the people in your life, you know, with, with various lengths of clean time is also beneficial because here's the thing. We, we never get to a place to where life doesn't affect us in some way, but you know, there's a tendency among people with, you know, substantial clean time to act as if, you know, this world doesn't get to us in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, that's a dangerous place that I got into, you know what I mean? And, um, so like, I've really been relying on these people in my life to be 100% honest with them, to be real about where I'm at, about what's going on, you know? Um, especially when it comes to like health stuff like that, like panic attacks are scary as hell, but like there for a while, I was afraid to even mention it in the rooms because I was like, well, these people think that I'm not you know, working a program or so I had a real fucked up perception on what a uh, member of recovery should look like, you know, but the bitch of it is I didn't have those expectations on anybody else, but myself. It's real weird the way that worked out. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The perceptions and the misconceptions that, that, I mean, I had, I had plenty of them, you know, it's like, Oh, I've got a certain amount of time in recovery. Therefore all my shit's supposed to be together and blah, blah, blah. And that's just simply not the case. Nah. You know? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, you know, here's the funny thing. So like when I came into, when I came into recovery, my idea, my conception of meditation was, just some junior counselor bullshit, you know, a bunch of hippies sitting around a circle chanting to themselves, like just kind of like the Pentecostals, you know, claim to speak in tongues. Like it, it was on the same par with that. Like I had no idea what it meant. Right. And um, I had this real fucked up attitude when I first came around. And this guy, one of the first people who really spoon fed me the very basic, uh, you know, aspects of this program told me, meditation is when you sit in a meeting and you listen to the dumbest person in the room share and you hang on to every word they have to say. Right. And it changed my whole outlook. I was like, Whoa, hold on. What? And he, you know, explained to me that just being able to focus on something that may or may not be of interest to you, you know, that's, that's a form of meditation. And that was kind of like my segue into going down this little rabbit hole. Now, obviously my understanding has changed dramatically from that point, but man, that was a really good first step for me is hearing that. Wow. That is so awesome. <sighs> Shall we, uh, do you want me to continue with the go for it? Okay. Go for it. Um, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a, uh, a guided meditation. This would be about 15 minutes or so. If you're the kind of person listening to this and you um, you have some experience with meditation, if it puts you to sleep, uh, please do not be driving a vehicle while you are listening to this episode. You can just go ahead and hit the pause button right now and pick it up later or something like that. 
Um, but we're going to combine the breathing exercises. We are going to combine the calming effects of the parasympathetic nervous system. We are going to do some imaginative, uh, uh, you know, some, some combination of the grounding technique I described and some imagination stuff. And, uh, for me personally, I'm a fan of, uh, the concepts of body, mind, and if you choose spirit and, uh, uh, you know, just sort of, uh, bringing those three together in unison, uh, along with the, um, the, uh, uh, breathing technique. So, uh, get yourself to a safe place, uh, where you're, able to be comfortable. If you can sit up straight, your eyes can be open or shut. Some people find it easier to keep their eyes shut. Um, go ahead and just uh, focus on the sound of my voice and start to pay attention to your breathing. I promise the audience, I do not intend to hypnotize you in any way, shape or form, but you know, this is just a fun run of the mill, uh, you know, calming, meditation technique. So I want you to focus on your breathing and inhale, allow your belly to expand. Two, three, and hold. And exhale. Two, three, four, and hold. Inhale. Two, three, and hold, exhale, two, and three, and four, and hold, inhale, two, three, and hold, exhale, belly contracts, two, three, four, and hold, inhale, two, three, and hold, exhale, two, and three, and four, and hold, inhale, two, three, and hold, exhale, two, and three, and four, and hold, and continue at your own pace. I'd like you to think about your body. Take a moment and scan your body. You have any tight muscles, any pain? Don't ignore it, just acknowledge it. And if you find yourself distracted, that's okay. Just remember, all you're doing is breathing and focusing on your body. As you inhale, I want you to imagine the breath as healing energy traveling to the tight muscles, the parts of you that are in pain, and healing those parts of the body. 
And as you exhale, I want you to think of the healing breath carrying that pain out of your body. Inhale the healing breath. Exhale the pain and the discomfort, the tight muscles. And inhale the healing breath. And exhale all the pain. And relax. And if you want, you can actually tighten your muscles up as you inhale and then loosen them up as you exhale. Inhale and exhale. Continue at your own pace. Now I want you to think about your mind. I want you to gather up all your worries and your fears and your resentments and your pain. Put all of that stuff in one spot. Now I want you to think of the healing breath as pacifying all of those negative emotions. And I want you to think of exhaling as carrying those emotions out of you. So you inhale serenity. And you exhale negativity. Inhale peace and serenity. And then exhale the doubts and the worries, and the frustrations, and all the stuff holding you back. Just inhale serenity, and exhale the negativity. Keep breathing at your own pace. And lastly, I want you to think about the spirit. I want you to imagine your higher power or your own personal spirit. You could think of it as a white ball of energy, the core of your being. You can think of your conception of a higher power or God. And I want you to connect that to the healing breath. I want you to imagine your higher power, the God of your understanding, giving you the breath and pacifying your spirit. So you inhale the willingness to carry out your higher power's actions whatever you think those might be. And then you exhale everything that's holding you back from that. So you inhale willingness. 
And then you exhale the obstacles, all the doubts and all the other things. Inhale your higher powers will for you. Exhale everything keeping you from that. Inhale. And exhale. Breathe in the spirit. Breathe it out. And continue at your own pace. So now we move on to the final portion of our meditation. I want you to think of a place where you feel calm and safe and at peace. This can be indoors, outdoors, day, night, dusk, dawn, does not matter. It's entirely up to you. And as you inhale, and as you exhale, I want you to think about what this place looks like. What are the sights associated with this place? What are the colors and objects that you can see associated with this place? Breathe those colors and shapes and objects in and exhale. Now I want you to think about what this place sounds like. Are the sounds natural? Are they artificial? Are you making sounds while you're there? Is there water of some kind? Is there wind? Is there something else making sounds there? And now I want you to think about what this place feels like. Are your hands or feet touching anything? Are you sitting, standing, laying down? What about the air? Is it dry? Is it humid? What is the temperature of this place? And just remember, if you find yourself distracted, that's okay. Just wrap that thought in a bubble and set it aside and remember that right now is your time right now is your meditation in your place so continuing on what does this place smell like are there smells associated with this place? And the other half of the olfactory coin, is there a taste in your mouth that you associate with this place? 
Breathe that in. Breathe it out. And inhale. And exhale. Belly expands. And the belly contracts. And the belly expands. And the belly contracts. And you can stay in this place for as long as you like. You can come back to this place anytime you want. This is your place. No one can take it from you. Your boss can't take it from you. Your family can't take it from you. The state can't take it from you. You can come here anytime you like, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it will always be safe and secure for you. And when you're ready, please feel free to rejoin me and Drew on the Clean Libertarian Podcast. What'd you think of that? That's the good stuff, man. <laughs> I uh, I had to mute myself because the damn dog started going crazy, but that's part of the part of the deal, man. I remember mm-hmm. when I first started practicing meditation, mindfulness meditation, I would get really frustrated because my ADD rattled, you know, mind would just go everywhere. You know, and Mm -hmm. um, I would have these constant thoughts, 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 thoughts. And I talked to uh, one of my spiritual mentors in my life about my frustrations with it. And he said, oh, so you're getting the lesson. And I said, what do you mean? He said, that's exactly the point is understanding that you have thoughts, Mm. understanding that. He said, that's a huge part of what mindfulness meditation is about. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And so, you know, in, in the places I meditate are typically at work, you know, if mm-hmm. I'm having a rough shift or anything like that. And then this is at any place, it's particularly this one, it's coming handy. But so there's going to be distractions that pop up whenever I get five minutes or so that I'm able to step away. But it's powering through those five minutes and really focusing on getting my self-centered again. You know, putting my feet in the sand, getting to that place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and this practice for me, I mean, I try to do it in the morning, you know, before I have to rush off and get to work and do this and do that. And, and, and life takes over or whatever. I try to get in a good few minutes of just making sure I'm laying there. And then I say my morning prayer and then I'm actually, you know, I'm just meditating and, and not moving and trying to not think about anything. Yeah. You know, before the chaos of the day, it really does make all the difference in the world throughout my day. The more meditation I'm able to get into the morning before I get out the door, um, you know, the better off I am. And and sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, like, oh, you know what, I'm going to be five minutes late because I need to make sure I try to get this in and incorporate it in my day. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, it is self-care and it is self-love. So, yeah, big time, man. Yeah. And it, it's it's. Here's the thing. Go figure. An addict has a problem 
with uh, instant reaction. You know, I'm, I'm very much so a knee jerk type of cat when left to my mm -hmm. own devices. Right. So what that meditation does is it trains my brain to instead of reacting on the feeling, I can react on the fact of a situation. Um, yeah. You know, I downloaded this app and it, it costs quite a bit of money, but it's worth every penny. It's called 10% happier. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I've never heard of this before. No, please. So this is the, uh, and I can't even remember his name. He was a, he was a anchor on like some big, you know, news channel, CNN, MSNBC, who knows. Mm -hmm. But during a segment, he was, he was doing a story live and he has a panic attack on camera. Um, he talks about this in a story and he had a panic attack on camera. He was like doing a lot of Coke at the time, drinking a lot. And so like when he got into recovery, you know, cause like the, he went to rehab, like, you know, you don't freeze up on national television and, uh, have a good day with that. So like right. he, went, he went to recovery and, and seeked it out. But this app, he brings on a lot of people who are in the know, you know, in meditation and different views and viewpoints and whatnot. And I highly recommend it because there's a lot of different exercises. Like you're just, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Whenever you first get introduced to this, like there's so many benefits and there's so many different ways you can meditate too. It's not just, you know, it, it it's not like the idea that we had in our minds when we first came into the rooms of the shit we saw on TVs and movies. Like it goes yep. so much further beyond that. Yeah. And meditation is not a one size fits all practice for sure. It's, it's uh, I think everyone's capable of it, but I think that that route to get there uh, varies from person to person. And I think that it's, it's the person's responsibility. You know, it was my responsibility to figure out what route that I needed to go uh, in order to do that. Yeah. It's funny. You were talking about that and, and you reminded me of this conversation I had a million years ago and I was working with this, this, this young guy um, who, you know, we were, I was describing meditation to him and, and doing a very similar exercise, you know, like this to him. And he said, you know, this is, this is great because this will distract me from, you know, what's going on around me. So that way I can focus on blah, blah, blah. And I blew his mind with the next thing I told him. And I said, no, the things that you're doing, while you're meditating, those are the distractions, you know, the meditation, that's actually the reality that, that mindfulness, that, that ability to be here and present in the moment, that is actually reality. Everything else is the distraction. And it just completely like turned this, this kid's worldview upside down. It was, it was brilliant. I hope he stayed sober. I hope he, uh, he was a good kid. I hope he, you know, did well after, him and I stopped working with each other. So, you know, but you, you just reminded me of that, um, which is pretty cool. Did you, did you care to share where it was you went during the meditation? <laughs> oh, I just, you know, I just kind of, I, I've never been like a visual guy, you know, like yeah. and that, like for me, it's just that place of calm, mm. finally calm because, okay. So like, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, people, can believe what they want to believe. I think ADD is a very real thing. I mean, it's, it's something that I struggle with. You know, it's not mm -hmm. that I, it's not that I can't focus. It's that I focus on everything at the same time. And so what meditation does is it allows me, it helps me focus on one particular task, be that breathing, be that doing 
just being there in the moment and experiencing that moment. Um, and that's not something I'm capable of if I just wake up in the morning, slam the coffee down, throw some pants on and get out there into the world. You know, like I got to take that moment to Amen. slow down. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and conversely, like I'm a heavily visual, like I have to do something with my imagination and my head. Like it's, it's very good for me to visualize stuff with meditation. And I think this just speaks to the, 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 the truth that, you know, we're talking about that there is no one way to do it right. You know, there's, uh, there's no, there's no, uh, wrong way to eat a Reese's as they say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, now there is, there is a form of meditation that I do every night before I go to sleep. And this is, this is how nerdy I am, Ash. I lay there in bed. I'm uh -huh. tired. And I imagine that I am in an X wing and I'm going just lazily flying over these mountains and through these valleys and stuff. And just a real slow pace, not real fast, just kind of gliding through there. And that's wow. kind of, <laughs> that's that where I'm cool. at. It's that fun, cool. man. I mean, and it yeah. helps, it helps me, you know, it's like, and when I focus on that, I just kind of drift off into sleep. It sometimes takes a little bit, but I like it. It's my little so thing you, I do. So you can be a visual person sometimes. Sometimes. That's awesome. Sometimes. That's awesome. I typically, I think the reason that I'm really able to do that at night is because I'm so tired from my day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just the day's worn on and I don't know, yeah. maybe that's got something to do with it, but in the mornings, right. not a chance. Hell, I can't even read the, you know, just for today and the 24 hour things and, and really grab onto it in the mornings. I got to read that throughout my day multiple times. Before yeah, it sticks. That stuff is tough. That's tough. I've got like four or five different meditations that are coming at me in the morning and at night and everything. That's uh that's a tough one to do. As far as the visualization stuff though, I'm glad you, you said something like, you know, flying an X wing over the mountains and everything I've done the, so the whole things you can see here, feel, smell, uh, taste. I've done that before for people. And when I ask them the question, like, where did you go with that meditation? They'll tell me stuff like, oh, I was skiing. You know, wow. I was I was skydiving. You know, I went back to that one time I went skydiving a million years ago or whatever it was. And like, so it doesn't have to be this boring conception of sitting in the lotus position with, you know, your palms up or down or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be that. I mean, it can be that if that's what it is to you, that's what it is to you. That's where you visualize yourself. Fantastic. But, you know, again, it's uh, people go to all kinds of different places. You know, um, I think I've heard one person talk about playing football before when they were doing it as well. So like, I'm glad you brought up the X-Wing. That's a perfect example of like, you know, um, uh, you can, you can kind of break the, uh, shatter the, 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 the misconception about uh, where it is that your brain has to go. There's no right way to do it. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and so many people will have you believe you need to travel overseas to some remote village and light this incense stick and like, you know, hit this bell and, you know, sit down <laughs> with a Tibetan monk. And then then maybe you can get this thing called meditation. That's just yeah. not the case, man. Trip on ayahuasca in South America. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. let's let's keep this culturally relevant. <laughs> to the recovery. Come on, Drew. Oh, oh hell, that's funny. 
Hey, while we're while we're on the topic of the mind and kind of like this type of thing, what do you think about hypnotism? Do you think that's real? Uh, I mean, from what I understand of it, which is not much, um, it's mainly about people's minds being open to suggestion. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I think it's as real as people give it credit for, like most things. Yeah. I think if somebody's not open to the, I mean, if somebody's not open to suggestion, they're not going to, they're not going to go through with it or, or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to hold on them. It's not going to last for too long because they're not really invested in whatever, change it is that they're trying to make or they're not really invested in uh actually believing the person who's performing the uh the hypnotism for them um you know it's funny i i uh i've known people that have done hypnotherapy for various addictions or whatever and like the ones that are really sold on it it works for them for a while but because they don't change their thinking or their behavior or their day-to-day lives and like their habits sooner or later, they end up going back to like smoking or drinking or whatever it is. Um, you know, which really speaks to the whole cognitive and behavioral aspect of like finding a recovery program and, and going through with it, you know, whether it's 12 step or smart recovery or, or refuge or celebrate recovery, whatever it is. Um, you know, but having some kind of, uh, program and, and then going through with it is really useful for a lot of people to, to quit a habit or to maintain something they've done through hypnotism because they need that additional support. So, yeah. Um, but that's what I've, it's funny you bring that up actually too, though, because, I recently had a conversation. I've got a former associate of mine that uh, uh, ended up doing ibogaine treatment in Ooh. in Mexico. Okay. Um, and so, for those of you that don't know, ibogaine is like this. I, I don't know too too much about it. Uh, again, but it's like a it's a psychedelic drug that supposedly is capable of resetting to a certain extent the the brain's neurochemistry. And, uh, you know, they went out to Mexico to this treatment program and they did the Ibogaine therapy and, uh, it worked for them for a while. Uh, but again, it kind of goes back to the idea of like, they didn't really have any sort of recovery program to help them maintain that. Right. And so they, they, when they picked up a drink, uh, it wasn't too long after that, that they kind of resumed the uh, patterns they were familiar with in their active addiction. And they just went back to being addicted, you know, right. Uh, or, or at least they were, they were acting and behaving and thinking that way, you know? Um, so it's kind of like uh, that, uh, the, the weight loss surgeries, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a very similar thing. I mean, and that's, um, you know, body, mind, and spirits kind of the way I look at it. And, and, you know, you, it's almost as if, and I've heard, it's funny, I've heard people say that like, you know, the spirit and like um, feelings are are very closely tied together and everything like that. But it's like, if you look at modern psychology would tell you, you have to think your way into a new way of acting. You can't act your way into a new way of thinking. Um, and in recovery, I have found that to be the exact opposite. And it's that I have to act my way into a new way of thinking. Once my thinking changes, how I feel about myself and the world around me starts to change big time, man. Yeah. So it's it, 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 a lot of recovery stuff ends up flying in the face of modern psychology. Um, 
you know, I mean, I guess it's a chicken or the egg thing of like, you know, well, you have to have the thought to change first. Well, okay, fine. But, you know, realistically, a lot of early recovery for this addict was this guy's full of shit. He doesn't know what he's talking about. My PO is lying to me. These people all suck. I don't want to do any of this stuff. <gasps> and then in the exact same breath, I turn around and I take the action of everything all these people told me to do. And I completely ignore all of my thinking. And through the action eventually of just doing it over and over again and staying sober a day at a time and, you know, working with others and going through this step work process and blah, 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 my thinking started to change. And when my thinking changed, how I felt about myself and the world around me started to change. So that's just my experience that, you know, maybe that doesn't work for everybody, but, you know. No, man, that's, that's how we all get it, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, to various degrees, some of us takes longer than others. You know, some of us are real big knuckle knuckleheads, yeah. you know, amen to that. Um, do you want me to read a small section of the book before we go? Yes. I've got a, I've got a little bit, uh, you know, I pulled aside a section. I figure going along with the meditation theme, um, you know, so uh, for those of you that are familiar with it, you know, the 11th step in uh, 12 step programs talks about uh, prayer and meditation. Uh, this is the 11th pace out of the 12 paces for liberty. And it says, we seek to know God's will for us and take action to carry that out. Prayer, meditation, liberty, and spiritual communities are our tools to keep us mindful on that task. So God's will is not active addiction, a non-life of lying, cheating, and stealing. We work our way up from that. Whether you have a faith from your childhood or a newfound relationship with a higher power through this process, we use this pace to stay focused on what's expected of us. The state tries to eclipse God. The reason people don't like to be told about their drinking and drug use is the same reason that most people don't like to be lectured about their relationship with God or a higher power. For the addict, this says less about the God they believe in and more about what they worship instead of that. Spoiler alert, oftentimes it's their own ego or self-importance rather than what they can do to help and serve others. If our goal is to serve God or a higher power and the state tries to eclipse that, doesn't it follow that they might try to obfuscate our view of what a higher power might be or would have us do? This is especially true when religious leaders are co-opted to support the state. Uh, the 12 paces are about finding God, cleaning house, and helping others. If people in mass ever figure out the hostage situation that we're all in with the various states and cathedrals of the world and decide to do something about it, neither the state or the cathedral would be able to leech off of our private property and productivity for much longer. We would unite with our neighbors in our own communities for voluntary exchanges of goods and services with money not weakened or stolen from by the state or fiat. Smaller, more maneuverable innovators, no longer hamstrung by corporate-bought regulation, would arise to break down big corporations in a free market. It's no secret the state and cathedral have co-opted the name of God to turn beautiful parts of this world that he gave us into war zones. The state wouldn't be able to wage genocide and democide to the tune of uncountable millions otherwise. Exploitation is the name of the game in imperialism, and it only follows that the way to convince a good and decent man to kill another man is to convince him that God wills it. If he doesn't believe in that God, 
have him do it for the state, the next visible, air quotes, God in most people's eyes. Dehumanize his enemy so it makes him easier to kill. In the 21st century, who needs a draft when you can promote modern tactical shooter video games? I choose the God who believes in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, and I would choose that God any day of the week. Uh, for those that are of military tradition, I advise them to look up Smedley Butler um, and follow the tradition of men like him. So that's a small clip from the 11th pace. Uh, I do understand it is very God heavy. And I know that that's, uh, that might be troubling for uh, some people listening to this. Um, I would say that, you know, there's a lot of work up that goes up to that part. And I also think that, uh, you know, God could be a good orderly direction, group of drunks, group of druggies. For those that are in the Liberty sphere, I would just try to think of a higher power, um, you know, of some kind. And I know there's a fair number of people that are in the Liberty movement that absolutely are theists. You know, I don't think, uh, you know, all of the people in the, the Liberty movement are atheists or agnostics necessarily. I think there's quite a few people in our movement that also have a chosen faith. So um, I get nervous every time I talk about God. I don't know why I should uh, or why I do, but you know. Yeah. It's just one of those things, man. I think um, we, we, we are so careful you know, especially because this is a spiritual, not religious program uh, that we work in our daily lives. And so that's one of those points that, uh, you know, has been put at the forefront. So it carries yeah. over. But uh, I don't know, man, like I struggled with it too, the concept and for a long time. And uh, a buddy of mine was going to IOP. He was one of my right. like, so sober house buddies and mm -hmm. uh, he was an intensive outpatient and he came to me. He's like, man, remember the God thing we we're talking about? I was like, yeah. And he said, my ca his counselor told him that if he can just believe that the same force that is sending blood through his veins is the same one that sends water through the rivers, that mm -hmm. there's an order, order to this universe. Yes. If he could wrap his mind around that. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. shit, that's good. You know? And yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I had, I had to start there. I think uh, part of it is I'm also just nervous about reading portions of my book at this point. And I'm also, I'm Shit. so, it's good, I, man. I it's am real so, good. yeah, I'm, I'm ballparking it right now. I mean, I'm, I'm wrapping up a couple of things here and there, and then it's off to the editor and I am going to need some, some beta readers as uh, apparently that's what they call them in the industry. I fucking hate that term already. Uh, but it, it's, you know, there's, there's a nervousness element and um, I'm not ashamed of my relationship with God, but I also know that um, a lot of people, and and it's my story too, that you know, hearing hearing that three letter word sends them into a tailspin that pushes them away, and that's the last thing in the world I want to do. So, so I'm I'm coming at it from a place of like love and concern, and like I am scared of like sending people off, you know, but the, the fact is, is that for me, for this addict or whatever, you know, it had to be eventually, you know, I, I spent, so I'm coming up on 14 years of recovery, uh, later this month. Hey, yeah. right Thank on you. dude. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, and, and honestly, I was an agnostic for most of that. Um, you know, and it was only through crisis that I had, in 2019, 2019 was one of the worst years of my recovery, by the way. Um, 
but it was only through crisis back then that I had to like go back to my second step and reevaluate my definition of God. And I, you know, I went through the, the traditional Judeo-Christian route and, you know, that's what, what works for me. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a beautiful journey, um, for me personally. And, and so like, I don't want to scare people away from the possibility of something like that happening for them, you know, because it's been one of the best things in, in my world. So. Anyways, that's that's a, a little segment of it. Uh, I hope it's your flavor. If it's not your flavor, then uh, you know I hope you find something that does work out for you. So yeah, sponsor, like yeah, that. talk to call your sponsor as they say. <laughs> well, Ash, it's always a pleasure, brother. Um, this is this was everything I hoped it would be, and uh, thank you. Love it. Love it. So happy to be here. It's always an honor, Drew. Thank you very much for having me as uh, as a guest. And, uh, you know, uh, book's going to come sooner or later. And, uh, you know, you'll be you'll be out there promoting it and, um, you know, a few other people and everything. I still haven't found a publisher yet. I just emailed uh, Eric July, of all people. Um, but uh, who knows if he'll respond or not or, or whatever else. I've got 50 million publishers i want to ask i would rather let me put it to you this way if you're listening to this podcast right now and you have a liberty leaning uh or liberty loving publishing company or are associated with one i would rather go through that than go through the corporatocracy of something like uh amazon or whatever even though they have the widest audience i'd rather put something out there with a libertarian publisher and do that parallel structure thing than not so that's that's my two cents on that so thank you very much for having me, Drew. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. We'll holler at you later, all right? Sounds good. Catch you soon. There it is, man. Thank you so much to Ash for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope you got something out of that. I hope that now moving forward, you have a little bit better of an understanding on what meditation is, how to do it, and what benefits you can have from it. And like I'd mentioned in there, like it's just the tip of the iceberg. Like there's so many different ways to do this meditation thing. And there's also so many benefits that I'm still discovering myself, you know. So the biggest thing is just dive in. Um, YouTube has a plethora of guided meditations. There's all sorts of information on it and on the interwebs or wherever else, you know, you'd like to look for it. But mindfulness meditation is such a important qual or important exercise that brings about an important quality. And for me, that is, you know, the ability to focus and the ability to not react so instantaneously to emotions as they appear throughout my day. Um, admittedly, I needed to be a lot more disciplined and setting time aside for me to do a meditation every day, not just waiting until things are starting to go a little tits up that I kind of hit the oh shit button and go into it. But uh, anyways, um, be on the lookout for that book. Uh, as soon as Ash completes it, you know, the book he's been working on the 12 paces, we will definitely be shilling it here on the clean libertarian podcast. And uh, that's it, man. I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And um, the song of the day is actually in line with, you know, kind of meditation for me. This is Jar Jar Jr. It's either Jar Jar Jr. or Jar Jar Jr. I don't know how he goes by it. I think he's like a SoundCloud guy. I stumbled across him on YouTube, but he 
does a lot of like lo-fi hip-hop type stuff. He'll compile like this just really chill music and throw some hip-hop in there. But this is the music that I listen to, uh, especially at work. Um, throughout the busiest part of my shift, I'll have this playing in the background. And if I kind of feel myself teetering a little bit out of control, I'll focus on it, do some breathing exercises right there. And it just, it helps calm me down. And so, uh, yeah, without any further ado, here is Jar Jar JR. And this song is called Ambitions. You're now ready. It's just two o'clock. <laughs> is that late? You know, you smoke too much of that shit. That shit's gonna rob you of your ambition. Out of here. 